This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. I've got on the line now with me Dina Gishin and Dina is an OT in private practice. She works with the pediatric population and is also a clamber club instructor and trainer and a mom of a delightful two and a half year old boy. And Dina and I are going to be discussing the vestibular system and proprioceptive input. Good morning, Dina. Hello, hi Ruth. Thank you so much for being with me today. I wanted to ask you, Dina, first of all, when we talk about the vestibular system and proprioceptive input, can you actually give us an explanation what the vestibular is and what proprioception is? Our vestibular system and our proprioceptive system are both sensory systems. And so they give us sensory information the same way as some of the systems that we're more familiar with, like our sense of taste, our sense of smell, our sense of sight, give us information from the environment. Both our vestibular system and our proprioceptive system give us sensory information. Just that the information that they give us relates a bit more to movement and to where our bodies are in space. And sometimes that type of information is something that's a little bit less conscious. We don't always interpret it the same way as we would get visual information or auditory information. Both of them are sensory systems. So if we had to break them up, what is the vestibular doing and what is proprioception doing? So the vestibular system relates more to our movement sense. So that's not so much about where our bodies are in space, but how our bodies are moving. So whether we're moving forwards or backwards, whether we're spinning around, and it has an influence on the development of our balance, of our arm movements, being able to stay upright against gravity and knowing where we are in terms of gravity, if we're off the ground, having that feeling that we're off the ground. Whereas the sense of proprioception relates more to where our bodies are in space. So that's something that tells us, and you know, that our feet are planted on the ground. If someone throws us a ball, it helps us to direct our limbs to catch that ball. And if it's at night and you can't see, but you're reaching for a glass of water, it helps us direct, you know, your arm ways to go to, not to squeeze the glass, not to spill the water. So it's all of those things that our muscles and joints help us with to direct where our bodies are in space and to give us that information. Would you say those two have to work together or could one be working and the other one not? So they definitely each have their own role. Um, our sensory systems all have to work together for us to function and for us to be able to interpret our environment. So that's what that concept of sensory integration is. It's taking in our different senses and integrating them together so that we can have functional output. And each system, though, does have their own role, and I'm more than happy to discuss the role of each system a bit more. Awesome. That's great. I love that you mentioned sensory integration because often the terminology is bented around, but one doesn't actually think of it as integration where they're all working together. Now, I wanted to find out from you, at what age would you say that a parent or maybe it's a teacher might notice that a child is battling with these certain skills? So when we consider the vestibular system and our proprioceptive system, they both have an effect on things like I said, balance and the use of the two sides of our bodies together and knowing where our bodies are in space. 
And our vestibular system specifically also has something called a modulation role. So if children um, are fearful of moving on swings, if they're fearful of climbing up off the ground, those all may be indicative of a difficulty with vestibular processing. The body awareness one, the one with proprioception, may be a little bit more difficult to see because it's the information that our bodies almost give to ourselves. So a child that may be clumsy or knocking things over or bumping into other children, that might be an indication that they're having difficulty with that proprioception and and these are things that when children even you know start school and um, around the age of two and um, 18 months you can start to see are they avoiding certain playground equipment do they seem to be going only to one type of, of equipment that's outside and when they among their peers how do they engage with their peers are they bumping into others um, and those types of observations can help you to identify if there may be a, an area of difficulty there i think it's just important specifically at this time of the year and um, to, to realize children do take some time to settle into a new environment so often when we are starting a new class or a new school and, you know, we don't want to jump to conclusions that they're having a, a sensory difficulty. Often there's an emotional component and they do need that time to become familiar. So right. that's just Which important is, to mention. Yeah. It's time. very important to include the emotional side of things. And with babies, what should babies be doing naturally that a mom could say, oh, you know, great, my child seems to be have a good vestibular, good her senses are all working great. And what sort of signs would there be for a mom to start worrying? With a baby, I mean, both of these systems actually already start developing in utero. And um, your vestibular sense, the first indication that we've got some sort of vestibular feedback is when the baby turns while in the womb. And um, so reach position would be a, not a, a red flag, but the child hasn't had the head inversion to stimulate that vestibular system yet. So in utero, that head inversion is um, the first, you know, type of vestibular type of input that we get. And, and the whole process of development within the womb and the space around the baby and um, gives lots of deep pressure and resistive feedback to all those babies' movements. So as they progress towards the end of the pregnancy and the baby's moving more and the baby's bigger in that smaller space, and um, every type of resistive input that it gets from being in utero gives proprioceptive and input. Obviously, as you say, when the baby's born, we want to stimulate these systems, but also want to observe for any difficulties there. Um, some things that you know parents can do from when the baby's very young is when you're holding the baby, you hold them in different positions. So as I mentioned before, our vestibular system um, is stimulated by our head position because it's based in our inner ear. So if you're holding the baby, instead of the baby always being upright, you hold them more in sideline. And then if we're in sideline, to both do it on the right side and the left side. So that system is stimulated in different planes. And from a proprioceptive perspective, anything with deep pressure and resistive type of input helps to give that proprioceptive input. So swaddling a newborn baby helps with that. And when babies are a little bit bigger, even tight hugs and that type of deep pressure and helps them a lot with getting that type of proprioceptive feedback. And as they grow more and their bodies become more active in the environment, anything with resistance. So if they're pushing a ball and if they're carrying a toy, if they're pushing a book or holding a book and holding different weighted books, that will all give proprioceptive type of feedback to them. And I think just to answer the question in terms of the red flags is if a child has a certain reaction. So a baby, if they're crying when you're rocking them and they don't seem to settle from that, 
or if they're in a certain head position and they seem to be uncomfortable and they're crying quite a lot, that might be an indication that they're having difficulty interpreting that type of input or tolerating the vestibular input that you're giving them. And then I think the, the most important two things that I want to say specifically with regards to babies, because there are things that sometimes happen that people don't realize. And if we throw a baby up in the air and you want to try to catch the baby, some babies love that and they'll laugh in response, but other babies may have a fear response. And that is their vestibular system kicking in and saying, like, I don't know where I am in gravity. And so that's something common that we can look out for if they don't like being thrown up in the air other vestibular area that children may more avoid is being spun around. So if you are with your baby and you're turning around quite a lot and they're getting that dizzy type of feeling, some babies not may not respond well to that. So it's just looking at their reactions when you're doing those types of movements with them. What help would you suggest then if you can see a baby struggling, they don't like to be pushed on a swing, they don't like to be rocked forwards and backwards, they most certainly don't like to somersault, would you suggest go OT? So again, it's always a process. I think it's a step-by-step process. And um, as I mentioned with the school type of, you know, setup, we need to consider what else is going on with that baby. Are they being are there any feeding difficulties? Are there any reflux difficulties? And um, anything else that might be affecting them? And um, because when we aren't feeling well fed or we're not feeling comfortable or if we may be feeling ill, then our sensory systems are the first ones to become sensitive. So it might not always be that we are typically sensitive, but because of those things, we become a little bit more sensitive. So to definitely rule out the medical type of factors, the nutrition type of factors first. And um, there are unbelievable, you know, OT strategies that can be used with younger children. Um, but I would say definitely to rule out the medical side of things. And um, that sense of proprioception that we're speaking about before is a very regulating sense. So if a child, you know, is avoiding going on the swing or um, does not like being thrown up in the air to regulate them and calm them down, deep pressure will really, really help with that. Um, so you can always see how do they respond when you are giving them that deep pressure. And this is where that integration comes in. And um, you can often pair something that might not be as pleasurable for them with mm. something that's a little bit more tolerable. So having a weighted toy on their lap while they're going on the swing and um, may benefit them. Also, not to push them to do movements that they're not comfortable with. Right. But um, an assessment from an OT may help to figure out which system it is and which area of that system is causing that difficulty for the child so that we can support them better um, in their development. Dina, just talk to me about, in terms of with the vestibular, that you get calming movements and you get stimulating movements. Just chat a bit about that. For sure. So, um, as you say, the vestibular system, it's it, based in our inner ear, um, it helps us to know how we are moving in space. The calming type of movements that we think of uh, when you think of a newborn baby or a, a young child, that rocking type of movement, the slow rhythmical movement, even if you're on a swing and it's moving very slowly or a hammock, that's quite relaxing. So it's those types of movements that are very calming. And the movements that are more alerting are faster types of movements. And then they're movements where we have changes in speed. So for example, the child is on a swing, but then the adult catches the swing and lets go. And then after their second, you know, alternate swing, catches the swing again. The stop-start movement is what's very alerting and almost wakes us up and, and helps with that level of arousal kind of being picked up. And even things like jumping on trampoline, those are fast up and down movements. Those are quite um, stimulating movements from a vestibular perspective. And then rotation. 
And so those semicircular canals that are based in the inner ear help us with that rotation. Rotary movement is very alerting. And so if you're trying to calm a child down, you would never spin them around. And spinning around would make them feel quite, <laughs> quite alert. And so those are some, yeah, alerting and calming. So on that note, let's just chat about some activities that mom can do with their little ones. So first of all, with babies, what would be some lovely little activities, two or three little um, movements that they can do, either for calming or for stimulation? So with the younger children, calming, as I said, that's very rhythmical, slow movements. If you're holding your baby forwards and back, and if mom and dad want to hold like a sheet or a towel, and each parent holds the other end and the baby lies in the middle and you slowly lift them up and you can rock them gently from side to side, forwards and back. And those are very calming types of movements. Even if a mom holds a baby on her lap and they sit on like a, a therapy ball or a Pilates ball and do very gentle bouncing up and down, but slowly, those are very calming movements um, for a, a young child. And then as I said, with the alerting movements, it's a bit more of that rotation and the stop start that will get them a bit more alert and, and awake. Right. And then for toddlers, what sort of games could moms do, you know, just playing around the house, uh, running or catching or maybe something fun that the child doesn't even realise that they're actually being worked on in specific areas? Right. So um, with a toddler, things like somersaults and forward rolls are really great because we get that head in an inverted position and it helps to stimulate the vestibular system. And a somersault can be quite alerting as well because there's a lot of vestibular input to integrate in that movement. And the somersaults are great for that. Even just rolling, the same way we roll in bed. Um, but if your child rolls down the hill in the garden or um, you put up a blanket and they roll from one side to the other, almost like a hot dog and they the sausage in the middle of the blanket, that rolling movement helps to stimulate the vestibular system. And um, these types of movements, the rolling and, as I mentioned before, I little more the alerting movements, the jumping type of movements help to alert. If we're trying to calm our child down, then it's definitely, again, back to the slow rhythmical. So if it's a, a swing outside, as long as you're moving forwards and backwards in a very slow rhythmical way, that will help more with the calming down and for a toddler. Right, that's awesome. One other question that I want to ask you, what about adults that, and I'm actually talking because I know myself that I probably should have been in OT as a child. So adults that realize that they've got vestibular issues or, um, you know, proprioceptive issues, is it too late or is there stuff that an adult can do for themselves to actually help regulate? So definitely, um, I would say it's never too late. I think the way that we process different inputs does change as we develop and our brains also the way that they integrate the information does change and as we grow up. And there are adult sensory integrative OTs that work with adults with these difficulties as well. So it's not to say at all that it's too late. And what does sometimes happen as adults, and because adults have more insight into themselves and they can express where those difficulties are, we can work more into understanding what their sensory profile is and then what movements would help them to develop that vestibular system more or that awareness of where their body is in space a little bit more. And obviously that would have to be appropriate for adults. So we're not necessarily going to be, you know, jumping on a trampoline all the time. Some adults can do that. Um, but it might be related to certain um, 
you know, exercise things like yoga um, or weights um, that you can do specifically for proprioception, you know, giving that feedback to your muscles and joints using different weights and items and dumbbells and things like that. So um, it's definitely not too late. What I would say is that sometimes when it comes to an adult, we're working more, not in the compensatory side of things, but it's more to understand our profile and then how we can create our lifestyle so that on a sensory level that adult is feeling regulated all the time. And that may mean that they avoid certain activities or that they incorporate certain activities into their day. So not necessarily developing more within a system, if that makes sense. Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, you've just given me an enlightened moment, that's for sure. I've always battled with all these sort of things and stuff like getting motion sickness and I mean even things like lying down on a ball on my back I can't do that sort of thing going on a swing or a hammock is my absolute worst so you know I always say that I can understand the children that actually battle with this because I know what it feels like and that's why I'm also so passionate to actually help kids to would the right word be overcome so again we all have our own sensory profiles so there are some children that from the intervention of therapy can overcome these things. And a lot of the, the air sensory integration technique is involving these types of vestibular um, inputs, as I said, paired with the more regulatory inputs to help them to overcome that. And we do see some children overcoming that. There are some children where this is part of their profile, this is part of their personality. So it may not be something that they overcome, um, you know, totally, but it will help them to still function within what a child needs to do. So um, the goal of OT is always to function. It's not perfection because there is never perfection and every environment and every person is different and um, but to be able to function so to be able to engage in outdoor equipment to be able to go to a birthday party where there's a jumping castle and then to tolerate those types of things so i would say yeah the goal of therapy is for function not necessarily to overcome where that difficulty is but to be able to use that you know, use that difficulty and, and develop oneself within one's environment. This has been such a fascinating talk, Dina. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so lovely to chat about hours. It's an area of passion for me, so I can talk about hours. <laughs> That's awesome. I wish we had hours, but unfortunately we don't. <laughs> Thank you so much. And don't go anywhere because coming up next, we're actually going to be chatting about hair care and how we look after our children's hair. You're listening to Ruth Baynard on Generation Education 101.9 High FM.